Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to part two of this week's Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. On Monday's episode, we had a half-brother hitting fest with 2010's The Fighter, and today's sibling squabble is even more violent as Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton face off in fearsome fashion in 2011's Warrior. I'm not the only one that suffered, Tommy. I didn't even know she was sick. I never even got the chance to say goodbye to my own mother. You had no right to keep that from me. That was not your decision to make. Well, you walk around with your pictures in your wallet, and you're all, I forgive you. I forgive Pop. I forgive everyone, baby. So which film will be crowned the champ? We'll have a winner at the end of the show, so let's get it on. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. Ahab, you godless son of a bitch. You stopped the ship, you godless son of a bitch. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. (laughs) And I'm Chris Tilly. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash in the Sibling Squirrel. Squirrel, squirrel. A sibling squirrel that is the fighter versus warrior. As you well know, one film will be declared the winner in the verdict at the end of the show. But before we get going... We're doing fanuary again. Um, send us your picks. Send us your pairs. Uh, email show at clashpod.com and tell us why you want us to do those two movies in particular, um, the suggestions are becoming in thick and fast. We've had over a hundred already on, and they're on the list on the Google Doc that you have access to. Alex. I do have access to the Google Doc. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> I love how sexy our pre-chat today is. Google Doc. All it needs is for me to say long-form video. <laughs> We're hitting the gold standard of this show. Our friend of the show. Uh, Russell Ball, a.k.a. Bawley, um, he did send in a list. He sent in a, a few films that are pairings that he'd like to see, one of which was um, was Warrior. 
Great. Um, but he, he paired it with... He, he paired it with Kickboxer rather than The Fighter, which would have been good, but mm. not as good as this. That was one of, as he calls them, Borley's Beauties. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know about that. Uh, uh, we've broken through the glass ceiling. <laughs> Google Doc, long-form video, Borley's Beauties. The holy trinity right there. Good, good. Uh, all right, so that is Fanuary coming up, possibly and most likely, followed by February Fanny. So that is the start of next year. Your suggestions, get them in with a reason to show at ClashPod.com. <laughs> all right, let's get back to the day. So on Monday, Vicky put up a fight, uh, which means today Chris is following the Warriors code in Warrior. Chris, take us on a journey. On the surface, Warrior is about two estranged brothers whose family life was torn apart by alcohol and abuse. Violence has dominated their lives. Violence has torn them apart. When violence finally unites them, the pair expressing love the only way they know how, with their fists. It's also a film about a televised tournament to find the toughest man in the world. Yet, no one, I repeat, no one runs through a brick wall at the end. (laughs) If he was dead, Mr. T would be turning in his grave. He's not, I checked. Um, (laughs) And that's Warrior. He's not dead. dead. Good, good. That's great confirmation for the show. I mean, we are ticking boxes today. We're so good. (laughs) So, uh, I saw Warrior when it came out in a preview. I was, you know, a Tom Hardy fan since I saw Bronson. I think it was the first time he was properly on my radar. And so, and as I said on Monday, I like a fight movie. So I was very excited to see Warrior. And I haven't seen it since, which will be strange once we get talking about it, uh, that fact. How about yourselves, Vicky? I haven't seen it. I had heard of it. I recognise the uh, the thumbnail. <laughs> sorry, that's very much. Again. Fucking bloody hell. hell. sorry. What are we doing today? <laughs> Long form video, Google Doc, thumbnail, Borley's Beauties. Mr. T's not dead. Fantastic. What an episode. What brilliant, relevant content. I'm I'm not very well. I've got an excuse. I'm so sorry. Anyway, like I say, I recognise the uh, the thumbnail on the streamers, but I didn't. (laughs) Sorry, I'm going to call them on the SVODs. There you go. Great. Uh, But yeah, it's not my cup of tea. I like Tom Hardy very much. I like Joel Edgerton very much. uh, Do you know what I'm going to do with you, Alex? It's too fucking long for me. (laughs) That combined, it was enough to put me off. But you, Chris Tilly, I've always been very effusive about it. So I was excited to watch it. I'm a bit like you, um, in so much as I'd read great reviews about it and I'm a massive Tom Hardy fan and I just never got round to watching it. And I think there's an interesting conversation because we aren't alone in this. Like this movie did not do the business. Potentially, it might have done. And honestly, I was trying to rack my brains for what it might be. And I think the image I have, I don't know what the thumbnail was, right. uh, but for the long form poster of this <laughs> movie... I seem to remember it being them with their arms round each other. Yeah. Like from the back. From the back, but it's yep. it's the it's it, was it from the back or from the front? Either way, no, it's the got... shot from the end of the movie that Yeah, yeah it, you're talking about you're talking about the ending out. Yeah, that's that's right. One of the posts they put out was the ending of the it's film, which is mad. Madness strange, that they yeah. did that because to me, I'm like 
Right, so I'm watching this movie just waiting for the bit where they make up. It's insane that they did that. Yeah, so, yeah, I honestly think that had a big impact. I think, you know, it's weird that Bawley suggested Kickboxer because I actually wrote down, if you're going to have a movie like this about MMA, the kind of audience who are going to go and see a movie about MMA, you kind of want your guys on the poster, like, throwing a move or a punch or grappling or fighting mm-hmm. as opposed to sort of arm in arm. It's like, it just didn't work for me. Fair enough. I'm done, Chris. Okay, let's do a little bit of background then. So I've got some quotes here from a colleague of mine, Cameron Frew, who wrote a really good um, article a year ago on the tenth on the tenth anniversary of uh, Warrior. He did he did a, he did an hour long sit down with the writer director Gavin O'Connor, and so there's some great stuff there which I will be using. But um, Gavin O'Connor basically had the idea to make a story about two estranged brothers who were brought to, back together by violence, um, and he wrote it with a writer called Anthony Tambakis. Um, he said in this interview, O'Connor, Paddy is my dad in a lot of ways. Paddy's the character that Nick Nolte plays, the father in the movie. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic. My parents split up. And me and my twin brother both went with different parents. Ooh. So it's, it's, it's incredibly autobiographical what happens in this film. And it's obviously very per- personal and quite a painful movie for him to make. Um, but his big thing as well with putting this story together was, as he says, usually in these types of movies, you know who you're rooting for um, and you can identify with one of the boxers. So the challenge for him was to try and make a movie where you didn't know who to root for in the finale, in the final fight. Did you feel that? Were you unsure of who you should be rooting for? Yeah, at the end? up until about uh, two minutes before the end where I realised I was being pushed in one direction. But that really up until like two minutes before, because then it was like, oh, I get it now because you're coming from a place of anger, Tom Hardy, and you are coming from a place of love, Brendan. So you're going to win. But I didn't know that until, you know, right till the 89th minute kind of thing. It's very good. There are a number of fights. Well, to my man, two two fights in this that you don't know the outcome of. I genuinely wasn't sure whether it was going to be both brothers fighting at the end at one point. I was like, well, one's going to lose Mm. and then the other is going, and then they're going to help the other with some knowledge on how to beat so-and-so. I thought someone was going to lose and then someone else would drop out of forfeit a place for Mm. some reason so they never were going to fight each other but then they had to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I actually, when we come to it, I'm not going to do the end right now, Chris, but I have... I have a lot of questions about that last 15 minutes of this film okay. and I'm not happy with all the questions that it creates Okay, because it doesn't fucking answer them. Uh, thank you for not doing the ending before we started talking about <laughs> it. Temp- it's, it's just so tempting. Yeah, it it just feels really satisfying. It feels satisfying because sometimes it's the best bit, but it's also naughty now, isn't it? It's like, could we do the ending and then get told off? But because Chris currently looks like God uh, on the screen <laughs> looking down on us, like <laughs> heaven on high, I, I'm, I'm, some, I'm more nervous about breaking ranks uh, What you said is I you have be. more authority when you're not actually here, <laughs> which is something to think about. It's a weird one, Gavin O'Connor, though, isn't it? Because he's uh, like you feel for him a little bit because he's he's had a couple of great movies um since warrior i mean warrior is a great movie it's a shame it didn't do the business uh then he had jane got a gun i can't comment on that i haven't seen it the natalie portman movie and uh, the accountant did well but then he did one of my favorite movies the way back we've talked about this the What's one with that? sam rockwell in the water park and steve carell is a dickhead oh it? yeah yeah he did that right. and i was actually is that him or is that the way way no back? That's, that's a different that's not movie. A, yeah, that makes more different sense. different movie. I just caught he, he, up. He did the one, he did one which will make more sense, where um, Ben Affleck plays an alcoholic sports coach. 
That makes more sense. That fits with his genre. <laughs> it's oeuvre. Yeah. Because it's the way, way back, isn't it? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the Steve Carell. I missed a that's way the out. the Steve Carell that's, one. That's, by the know, way, I though. I loved that story. So I was like, what a fucking pivot that is. <laughs> know, and good right? for you. <laughs> Don't get pigeonholed. You can do what you want. Yeah, if anyone's looking to talk about the way, way back, uh, you know, February's coming up. Pair it with something. Something else water park based, preferably. <laughs> so, uh, Gavin O'Connor, um, he, he, he wrote it to be set on Long Beach, but then they needed a state with tax incentives, so they moved it to Pittsburgh. How exciting. But I think it works <laughs> in the films. It, no, but it does work for the film. I mean, he said there's sort of a working class poetry to Pittsburgh, but he said it, it worked better photogenically. It worked better for the kind of characters he'd written. It worked better for the sport. He said Darkness on the Edge of Town, the Bruce Springsteen album, was an inspiration for the writing, and that feels like it's set in a place called like Pittsburgh and so um, that's how it ended up there he thought about doing it with wrestling or boxing as well but MMA was exploding at the time and maybe it was ahead of its time on that front though because obviously 12, 11 years on now MMA is much bigger now than it was then maybe it just was a sport that people were not in the mainstream interested in enough to go and watch a movie about it because obviously you could apply this to any sport this story. I'm glad they did MMA though, because for me, this it's a it's a brutal it's a brutal sport. As far as I'm aware, I mean, from what I've seen, it looks pretty fucking nasty compared to boxing. And I think this film does a really good job because uh, is in what is it, her, Tess uh, Joel Edges and Brendan's wife in this like her fear about him going back to fighting and the scene where she's talking about him potentially getting injured i think this is a sport you really feel yeah more than boxing more than wrestling which are kind of much more within the confines of a certain rule system this feels like something where you could fucking get very badly injured quite easily it's just actual fighting mm, yeah i mean the line later where someone's like you do that on the street, you get arrested. It's like, yes, it's just fighting. What was the thing that always went round at the start when MMA started to kick off? Everyone was like, it's literally you can do anything apart from there's no eye gouging or fish hooking. Brilliant. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else goes. I just oil. So, uh, just slip out of someone's <laughs> grip. Like a little, little eel. You'd oil yourself up. So I'd be so oily. I don't know. It doesn't sound like there's a rule about oil. Can you imagine that? Someone tries to grab you and like, because I'm quite thin. Just like, wing. you'd be projecting to the air and then come down crashing down with an elbow yeah, to the head. Yeah, you land and then land on your feet perfectly. <laughs> is, it, is it like Street Fighter 2? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when they were sitting down to write it, the thinking was as well, they, the, the, the exercise they did in their heads was, let's pretend only professional MMA fighters are going to watch this film. That's how authentic we have to make this. That's the most important thing. To get that right, everything else will follow. And that's where a guy called Gary Jackson came in, who's one of the most successful trainers in the sport. He choreographed everything. He trained the actors. Uh, and some of the philosophy in it and the stuff about music, that's all his philosophy. That's all his... Uh, training ideas and he's quite a fascinating character actually oh the whole be um, so in thing, terms of the, the ode to joy stuff the stuff that comes from uh frank grillo's uh trainer like that stuff is all his ethos. yes okay he trains all his fighters to classical music um they do their training in time to it they do their fight moves in time to it he talks about the notes that are there and then trying to trying to find the notes between the notes and that's where you can fight your opponent and cat opponent off guard and it's it's really interesting and he just like frank grillo's character in the movie doesn't have pictures of fighters on his walls. He has pictures of, of Beethoven and, and Mozart and people like that. In terms of the acting, Gavin O'Connor did one of the great sports movies, Miracle, about ice hockey. And in that one, he taught ice hockey players to act. 
apart from Kurt Russell, who was his lead, but he was the coach. Here he did the opposite because it was more about what's happening outside the cage. So he needed to find actors who were tough, but also sensitive and vulnerable. Tommy is first. Uh, so his description of Tommy, he's a powerful brawler. He's going to blast you. He's going to overwhelm you. He's all about athleticism and punching power. And he really liked Tom Hardy when he met him. Hardy moved over and lived with him for a week while they were trying to figure out if he was right for the role, which I don't think is normal in the audition <laughs> process. <laughs> but um, Tom Hardy, I saw Can him actually imagine? on... I'm like, yeah, Can but... you imagine? What are you doing here? I've, been like... I've come to live with you. Yeah, Tom, I've got a film that... I might get off the ground. Do you want to come and live with me for a bit? Just kick back. I'd like to have him in my house for a week. For yeah, sure. Of course, yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. How would that go down? But- <laughs> Mark would be fine about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I saw him talking... <laughs> Yeah, uh, he talks about this on the documentary, and he talks about this in. I saw him doing it on, on talking about this on Alan Carr as well. He really didn't want the role because he said, "I'm not blue collar. I'm not American. I'm not an athlete. I've never fought in a cage. I've I never just wrestled. needed somewhere to live for a week in America. Do <laughs> you know how expensive hotels in yeah, Pittsburgh are? I was taking meetings for other films and needed somewhere to crash. <laughs> <laughs> but he, Kevin O'Connor said he wanted him because the character underneath the rough exterior is a little boy. Oh, my God. There's and he no could one see better. That. that is in my notes. Like He's like, I'll smash your face in, but I'm actually just a scared little boy. <laughs> <laughs> like There is no one better than Tom Hardy for that. And and this is what uh, Gavin O'Connor said he, about the character. He said, he may be doing dastardly mean things and vengeful behaviour towards his father, but it's come from a place of deep, deep pain. I knew Tom Hardy had that. I also knew if I put a camera on this guy, I didn't have to do a lot. He just had that thing. I really believed him. It got to a point where I had to really talk him into it. So... Um, yeah, a challenge to get him on board, but you can't imagine anyone else in that role. And then as for his brother, Brendan. So the idea with this guy is he's a tactician. He's not got the same athletic ability, but he makes up for it with technical knowledge and he can spot openings and he can reverse a fight. And they said the challenge there was believing Brendan was could be the best fighter in the world, but also is a teacher in a classroom with a bunch of kids and he's dressed up as a princess by his daughters at the beginning of the film. Mm. And so it was almost more of a challenge to find the person that could do all of those things. But the, all the actors and the writers all said that sort of the spirit of Brendan lives in Joel and vice versa, that he, he, he was the one who was almost playing himself in this film. Right. Was it even more of a challenge to try and make it appear that Joel Edgerton was actually the older brother for this movie? Because until the very end, I yep. was I was totally thought Tommy <laughs> was the older brother. Yeah, me too. Really? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Is 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 he, just, he older than him in real life? I don't know, but Brendan's character just gives off little brother vibes the whole time, and it's from the initial meeting with their right. dad when Nick, with his dad, when Nick Nolte arrives and he's like Tommy's back, and that whole conversation, he just comes across like his little brother and his big brothers come home, and he's like, you know, he wants his approval again. It's like mm. I think that's what it. He feels like he's searching mm. for Tommy's approval throughout this, which has a massive little brother vibe to it. So yeah, yeah. I it, it took me by surprise when it was the reverse. Mm. Um, and as for the father figure, uh, Gavin O'Connor wrote it for Nick Nolte. He was a neighbour of his. He was a friend of his. But the studio were not convinced. Uh, he said in this interview that they wanted Harrison Ford Get to out. play the dad. No. Well, this is weird. Um, On Monday, you weren't having you weren't having Brad. You to call me out. I was like, I can't see Brad Pitt or Matt Damon doing it. But today, I was. I'm totally down with Harrison Ford doing that. Okay. I, I could see that. I'd like to see it, but this Nick Nolte is just is unbelievable. How good he is! Like, I, just I mean, can't. how he's great. He, yeah. 
the the issue the studio has is that we've got these two unknowns in the lead, so we want a bankable name that we can put on the poster mm. to sell go. the film overseas. Yeah, I've got my business. Which what Harrison Ford brings. Yeah. Got and Nick Nolte doesn't. Yeah, could could have done could have done more money. Had <laughs> you listened to me in hindsight. But um, but O'Connor and his team sort of just went quiet and uh, got Nick Nolte to Sweet join them in Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. He's living he, at my he, house, so it's just I can't say no now. Um, he's been there a week. He wasn't, but Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton, and Frank Grillo and uh, Gavin O'Connor did all live together. In a, in, a, in a loft during the shoot. I guess, does Tom Hardy never have anywhere to live? <laughs> He's got that vibe. He's got that vibe. <laughs> um, so Nick Nolte's already there on set, and O'Connor says the studio just tapped out. They were like, fuck it, cast him. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want to hear. <laughs> uh, so they had six weeks to prep, and the challenge was to make nine fights exciting across uh, the course of the movie. Was it? Or was, um, it to have issue a, was, was it to have at least a couple of those fights where people walk in, Tom Hardy punches them and walks out? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> does that count as one of the nine fights? Because it feels short. That's... That's the most exciting fight in the film. <laughs> um, in, interestingly, Joel Edgerton was the athlete of the two of them. Uh, they all agreed that Tom Hardy wasn't as adept as Joel in the ring. And so that's why it kind of helped for their characters that Tom, Tommy's fights were short because Tom Hardy didn't really know what he was doing, whereas Joel could do these longer fights because he knew what he was, he knew what he was doing in the ring. So each day they do two hours of training, two hours of choreography, two hours of weight before they were doing the fight scenes. Um, they all got injured. Boring injured stuff, but broken toe, ribs, finger for Hardy, MCL. They were having to halt fight scenes. I mean, it was it was brutal stuff. But the the issue they also had was they had four of the best MMA fighters in the world in the tournament that they were fighting at the end, mm. and so. They had to train the actors how to fight, but the other thing they had to do was train the fighters how not to hurt the actors. Right. That was one danger. And then Tom Hardy said the thing he was most fearful of were these were professional athletes. I'm an idiot in the ring. If I accidentally hurt one of them, that could ruin their career or ruin their, their year or, or, or mess them up. Confident. And so I... They, there was, yeah, but what if I hurt there was you, a mate? Lot of... What if I fucking knock you out? Have you thought about that, mate? <laughs> Tom, Tom, pull, pull it back. We're, we haven't started rolling yet. I'm just telling him, mate. Just tell him what if I fucking knock his teeth out. To, to be fair to him, he's the one that keeps saying in the behind the scenes stuff. I'm an actor. This is this is too much for me. I'm not a fighter. I don't know what I'm doing. So please, I don't know. I think he feels a bit silly. Like I, you know, we were referring to Mark Wahlberg as a real fighter on Monday. But let's be honest, these people aren't real fighters. They're actors pretending. Mm. No matter how much you've sparred in the gym in your in your basement or whatever. Got Olympic Olympic gold winning wrestler Kurt Angle there as well, who I only know from WWE playing Cobra. He's great. Are you a fan of his? Wasn't he? Wasn't he sort of Mister Stars and Stripes in in the in the wrestling? Yeah, he was a biggie. Well, I mean, not that not any of them are, but I I remember from what I watched, and probably it's better to listen to Wrestle Me for information on wrestling than <laughs> us. But fuck it, I'm a chancer. I'll give it a go. Yeah, he was. Uh, he had a beef with. I remember when I was watching, he had a beef with Triple H, and then he uh, he tried to. He tried to get Steve Stone Cold Steve Austin on side once by offering him one of his gold medals. He was very he always wore his medals to the ring. Very smug about his gold medals. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. So he, he won. It's, he was a genuine wrestler before yeah. he did the the entertainment wrestling, and and he won gold. And I believe the gold he won, or or one of the golds he won, he broke his neck in the fight and carried fight carried on fighting and won the gold. Jeez, which obviously makes you a legend. Um, and so yeah, he was all about being Mister America once he was in the wrestling. So it's funny that he's in this film playing someone who's definitely not American. I think he's Russian. Yeah, Cobra. Yeah, yeah. I love the fact that to you that makes him a legend, and to me it makes him. An idiot. It's just it's a different way of looking at doing things that could kill you. So yeah. Like Bert Troutman, the, the goalie who who broke his neck in an FA Cup final and carried on playing and won the game. I was just thinking Bert Troutman, mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot like Bert Troutman. So the movie kicks off with Paddy um leaving leaving a church where I think he's having an AA meeting or he's been to he, he's found religion the dad has. He's listening to Moby Dick in his car. Um, what did you think about the Moby Dick um, sort of sub-story that was running hated through it. this, Vicky? Hated it. Absolutely hated it. I mean, <laughs> it went over my head because mm. I don't know. I didn't understand. I, I assumed there was some parallel that oh, someone would God, tell me so today. On the fucking nose. We're chasing the thing that's going to kill you. Blah. Like, Moby Dick fine isn't... Like, you know, the smart thing to do, have it on the bookshelf in the house. But to be to open the movie with it you're like oh i see the endless chase for the great white whale kind of thing who's he's chasing it he Has who's he... he's ahab or tommy's ahab or they're all ahab they maybe they all are in their own way they've all got this thing that this 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 quest that drives them that will never satisfy them right. whatever fine when you get smashed later nick nolte it's too much for you to be actually reciting it in your dressing gown it's just too much it's yeah. not subtle. And I know that the film isn't subtle. There's a lot of people getting smashed around the place and all the rest of it. But you've got to trust your audience to just understand that big metaphor without going, hey, look, Moby Dick again. <laughs> no? Right, right, right. But I imagine when he got nominated for the Oscar, that was the scene they played oh, at the Oscars. That just, was the big moment for when him. You, when, you, when everyone's big... Sometimes it's the person that goes low. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's just this big craggy monster throughout the whole thing. Mm. The best scene, the best Nick Nolte moment is he's this sort of chastened ex-alcoholic trying to make trying to make amends. He can never be sorry enough, all the rest of it. And then when Tommy recruits him and he just... The minute Tommy's like, look, you're going to be my trainer when they're in that cafe. Yeah. And he turns, he goes scary straight away. Yeah. You, came, you came to me. Yeah. You know, better the devil you know than yeah. the devil you don't. And he's... Give oh, me your pills. Terrifying. Give me your pills. You sounded like a rocker walking through the door. And he's like, what, he says something like, yeah, don't don't think you can keep changing your mind. And then you're like, oh, I see. I see yeah, how yeah. fucking scary you were. But yeah. he was a scary man because he's very big and you believe all the stuff that he did to the kids. But that's the best acting, isn't it? Where it's just like one sentence and everything changes. Well, it's a one sentence that he delivers later where, and it, it, against Brendan's wishes, he's always turning up to yeah. his entrance. And Brendan doesn't hear him because he's walked on, but he sort of almost says to himself, go get him, son. Yeah. And you're like, oh, in one line, you know, yep. gets you in the chest. Yes. Anyway, don't like Moby Dick stuff. Like it, but it's too much. And the casting of Nick Nolte is interesting, though, because he... He's sort of facing his own demons in this film. He famously has a, had an issue with alcohol. Gavin O'Connor said he had issues with his own family, those relationships there. And this sounds frightening. Tom Hardy said, acting is a contact sport for Nick. He's very connected to his black dog and his inner darkness. I wouldn't, even if I was Tom Hardy, I don't think I'd want to be facing off against that, even if it wasn't in a film. So interesting that you say that, because I watched those scenes and I was like, bet Nick Nolte respects Tom Hardy. Because you know how Tom Hardy, he goes all in. Yeah. 
And like, I can imagine those two, and I think it comes across in this film when they're on screen together, but I imagine mm. it, like there, there was a real respect between those two as performers on the set of this. Yeah. I've no doubt. So Tommy, we meet Tommy played by Tom Hardy drinking on a porch. He's been away for 14 years, um, having run away with the mum based on whatever Paddy awful things he was doing to them. We learn that Paddy's been sober for a thousand days. When he hears this, Tommy says, must be hard to find a girl who can take a punch nowadays. My God. So that gives us a sense of who the man Poddy once was. How about the line, uh, you didn't see her coughing up blood on her knees in a shit box with no heating, having me rub her all over the holy water because she had no insurance. It's like, holy shit, you paint a picture, man. Yeah, there's a lot of pain in the words in this film, isn't there? Um, and then conversely, we've got Brendan, who's married to Tess. He's got two daughters. He's teaching physics in Philadelphia. He's being dressed up as a princess at his kid's party when we first see him. But he's got financial issues. So him and his wife have got three jobs between them. And it's obviously to do with the Sun Prime issue in America, isn't it? They've, they're having their house appraised. It's being refinanced. He's missing out on payments. He's got 90 days. There's going to be foreclosure. I mean, you want to so get, the stakes you, are high for him. You want to get through that quickly. But do we really need the most evil bank manager in the <laughs> world to show oh, what's up? What's his name? Oh. Em, Emmerich. Oh, what's he called, the actor? I don't know. He's no. Emmerich. It's it's yeah. What's Alex? It's Noah oh, Emmerich. Oh my god! Of the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The untrustworthy face from Truman Show. Yep. Oh yes. Yep. Of Thank course, you. It is. That was driving me. Insane. It's just a bit. It's just a bit. Yeah. So some of this. Uh, some of this money was for a Eudora's kidney, and Joel's it's like it, Brendan's like. It's it's a heart. He's yeah. like, nah. And you're like, oh my god, come on, big big broad strokes here, man. <laughs> Um, and in the background, we also see on the news that there's going to be a tournament called Sparta, which is the Super Bowl of mixed martial arts. It's got a $5 billion purse. I wonder if that will come back. <laughs> um, and then the film largely cuts between the two brothers for the next sort of hour. Uh, first up, we've got Tommy joining a gym and he wants to fight a tough guy called Mad Dog Grimes, <laughs> who, who calls Tommy Rocky, takes the piss out of him, uh, comparing him to Rocky Balboa. And he gets his shot as this Puerto Rican fighter. Um, it doesn't show up for the $200 to fight Mad Dog Grimes. And so Tommy gets in the ring to fight Mad Dog Grimes. Alex, what did you think of this scene? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love the fact he, because mm. uh, again, I think, you know, as you said, a lot of them are real MMA fighters. And so I, I, they don't, they look, even Mad Dog Grimes, who I know uh, is an MMA fighter. What was his name? Eric Apple. So they just look like scary men. <laughs> like, a lot of them let, look very, very scary, which I buy into because it gives the whole film an authenticity. And then uh, Brendan, conversely, is fighting in a strip club parking lot. Uh, he wins his first fight, but it means he's got two more to fight to take home the money. Um, he gets home at dawn and he tells his wife he's not bouncing in a club he's really fighting he's like look at all uh, this money and he's like is that 20 quid <laughs> do you not think he's like but look says look at what i won it's 20 pounds they're foreclosing on the house <laughs> can we concentrate <laughs> also a school teacher's not allowed to pursue hobbies outside of school. I was a, I was a bit down on this. I was like it's a, it is an actual sport okay yeah. but then when the the principal that's very 
I didn't like that later when the principal or the, not the boss, but the boss that then ends up supporting him is like, you've got to watch this on the telly. Like, yeah, that's the principal. Yeah. yeah. Played by Kevin Dunn, of yes. fame, who's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, at first I was like, it's unfair because it's a sport. Teachers are allowed to do sports outside of school. But then he did sell it to me because he's like, you know, you were brawling in a strip club and I don't think they're allowed to do that. Right. And, then, so that he and he's getting paid. So it's <clears> it's another job. I think you're allowed to have another well, job. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Vicky, how how do you feel about uh, Tess, who doesn't want her kids to grow up with a dad who gets beaten up for a living? I think Tess, is, it all starts the way that you think it's going to be, which is, she, like, you know, I'm just going to be this person. I think it's a little bit crap. <laughs> because she's Tess, she's a good girl, she's got a cross around her neck, all the rest of it. She's like, for some reason, she's in her husband's tribunal, which makes no sense. When she comes on, she's like, so you've been suspended for 90 days. Why were you there? And not a union representative. And why wasn't he there? He, he seems to have been building like a little Lego Wendy piano House thing yeah, or whatever it like is. That. And she's like, by the way, just so you know, <laughs> you're suspended. <laughs> suspended. It's like, yeah. did, did they not want me there? Yeah, no, no. Tell I, me. I went instead. <laughs> I went instead as your representative. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. This is what, what I was talking about in the fighter. Who does she think she married? Why is she not into it? As in, she doesn't need to support him going back into fighting because it is super dangerous and she doesn't want him to end up with an injury. But who, what, what, I would have liked to have seen them met or like seen, like, what drew her to him in the first place? I'm very confused by the fact that she is waiting for the text to come through after the first fight. Mm. And this is how little I feel I've got to know Tess. When that text comes through and he's like, I won, and she's like, Yes! I'm yeah. like, because he's safer for the money. I, yeah. I don't know and I feel like I should know. And also, not to, again, just to be this person, you can't do this to your women characters where she's waiting for the text and it's like, okay, actor, can you do waiting for text acting? Yeah, I'm pacing, I'm pacing. And then she screams and she's like, yay, hooray! That's the equivalent. It's the movie equivalent of when women have pillow fights. We don't do that by ourselves to go, oh my God, baby, you did it! Like, yeah, it's yeah, bullshit. You, you do. We don't. I, I, I know when I send certain texts, that's what happens <laughs> at the other end. It just short changes the character shortchanges the actor <laughs> to imagine Raul right, can you do g- squealing girlish excitement no it's just it's all over the place because she goes from I won't watch your fights to then literally watching his fights now I'm imagining this Spartan competition is on an expensive pay-per-view channel <laughs> they're short of money she's going oh, rather than go there she's paying for that yeah. that's not very frugal they don't do the granularity of the characters there's a scene in the birthday party where Brendan has bought his daughter a present they can't afford mm. and she says it's called a budget for a reason or it's called a what did she say? yeah she's basically like stop spending all our fucking money so there's a there's another scene there where she's like you have got us into this mess and now you are going back to fighting because that's something you actually want to do and maybe you've been spending like mad because you secretly have always wanted to do this let's have a talk about that why not that cunning we are (laughs) anyway that answers your question we're going to take a break now but when we come back we'll be closer to sparta Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Uh, so as we said, uh, Tommy asked his dad to train him for Sparta um, and only train him. He doesn't want to talk to him. He doesn't want to be friends with him. This doesn't mean anything. Uh, in response, uh, Paddy says he'll do it, but he wants his pills. Mm. Takes his pills off him. He's got to stay at his house because obviously, as we've established, Tom Hardy stays at other people's <laughs> houses. And um, <laughs> he's got to watch his diet and do his old regiment. Uh, the school kids get wind of, of Brendan's fighting. They see his damaged face. Um, he gets in trouble with the school board. Uh, but he's pushing ahead with it. So he visits his old friend Frank at Frank's gym, uh, played by Frank Grillo. Lots of Franks there. Uh, and he tells me what's back in the cage and he wants to train and he's ready to start now. Um, and we get a bit of drama along the way between dad and, and Brendan. Dad visits Brendan, Paddy does, and wants to open up the communication, but Brendan basically tells him to sod off. And you, and you sort of realise that, that Paddy loved Tommy Moore, which is another thing we, we, that's, a, that's probably a connection between the films as a parent preferring one child over the other. And here it was obviously because Tommy was the talented one. Tommy, he wanted a fighter for a son and Tommy was the talented fighter. So he sort of, he, he, uh, he got all his attention and, and that's why you, you learn as the film goes on when Tommy left, Brendan stayed because he thought he'd get his dad to himself. Mm. And then the sadly that yeah. tragically that didn't happen. He still didn't give a shit about him. So, Ah, tough stuff going on there. Uh, but yeah, Dad never had any interest in underdogs. And Brendan refuses to find space in his heart to forgive Dad. Training montage! Woohoo! So, so this is a quote from Gavin O'Connor, um, who's a very engaging character when you see him in interviews. He's one of those guys that's very honest about the, what works and what doesn't on his films. And he says, when I was writing the movie, I was doing everything humanly possible to not have a montage. Why? Truly. I kept, say, I kept saying to Anthony, I'm not fucking writing it. I'm not fucking shooting it. But it got to, I don't know how to dramatise a passage of time in an artful way. God damn it. I'll have to do a montage. That's it why they killed exist. Me. I need to show a passage of time. Brilliant. And it's a, it's a fighting film. It's, I would have been... it's just one cliche too many. <laughs> We're at overload. 
I, uh, I, he also gives himself not a small part in the movie. He's J.J. Riley yeah. in the movie. He plays the guy, the owner, the guy who puts up the $5 million oh, really? purse. That's actually Gavin O'Connor. Oh, shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. So it's not quite like M. Night Shyamalan levels, but it's not a small role. <laughs> I like the uh, the montage, though, the fact that it, it goes multiple screens, because I guess he didn't want to do a montage because every fight film, every sports movie has one. And then he's like, well, how do I do it different? The, the multiple screens on screen at the same time. And I think it's a good idea because this film is so much a two-hander, trying to give both fighters and both brothers equal screen time, that by having them on screen at the same time in different boxes, I just thought it's a good... It's a good way of showing these two immovable objects heading towards each other and it's starting to sort of build up that excitement. That, Isn't it a bit of a wild you say, coincidence Ali- that you, the two brothers get back into fighting at the same time and wouldn't there have been merit in one of them has been working the circuit the whole time and is the best so that when they get in the ring, it's just such a crazy coincidence that they both decide to start fighting again at exactly the same time and then their paths cross at the at Sparta. Five million dollar purse, Vicky. Yeah. That's just that's come cool. around. That's but, the motivation but, but, for both of them separately. Yeah. Okay. But on that front, I'm I'm I sort of agree with you, Vicky, in that yes, that's a coincidence, but then the fact that it's a five million dollar purse, how many is it? Eight fighters, ten fighters, and two two new fighters on the scene who don't have recent experience end up in that tournament Mm. when obviously there would be a hundred fighters better place to be in that tournament. So Brendan convinces Frank to do it. And then I can't remember how, how does Tommy even get in the tournament? It's just, it's a a bit far fetched. Yeah. Isn't it when he beats? Yeah. So he goes well, viral. It... He goes viral because oh, yeah. of the uh, because he beats yeah, a he mad goes viral dog because of Mad Dog, who's yeah. already in the tournament. And then there's a really sort of ill-explained because I think it's all done in montage form. But Frank has another fighter. There's the other guy who's winning in oh, the yeah. races up the hill. And and yeah, no, so it's, the, it's, it it's the injury. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's the injury. It's the injury in 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 in, in the um in that scene we just talked about. But it's um it, it's just a bit far fetched that through a phone call and someone going viral, they both end up in the tournament. I, <laughs> the but phone I, call's also, the worst I, one. I feel though, like, like you can. I'll lean on your car window and I will say please, and then that's it. It's done. Mm. Like the, I think you maybe needed to pass another test. But equally, I can suspend my disbelief enough that I've got no problem that these two brothers are suddenly in this <laughs> tournament. Yeah. So an hour in, we're at Atlantic City. As this said, we met is the organizer. Sparta! <laughs> been waiting to do it. <laughs> it's the second half of the movie. Like, literally, when this starts, I'm like, yes. Thank God. <laughs> uh, yeah. A little bit. Unlike Chris, I really didn't like the montage in different boxes. It felt so at odds with the rest of the film's aesthetic, which was kind of like very sort of like drama-y yeah. and real. And suddenly you've got these boxes floating around the screen. I was like, no, not into that. Um, so that Sparta organiser that Gavin O'Connor plays, uh, that was, it's based on Dana White. I don't know if you know yeah. him. He's sort of the larger than life guy who runs, um, who runs MMA in the States. And he was going to be played by a guy called Charles Mask Lewis Jr., who is quite famous in that world. He created a clothing line and he was just a big part of bringing MMA to the masses. And then he died in a car crash a couple of weeks before they started shooting and the film's dedicated to him at the end. But 
he is this larger than life character like Dana White or, or, or Don King style figure. And so for them to then cast Gavin O'Connor, who just sort of melts into the background as that <laughs> character, I think, I just think it does a real disservice to the film. Like, when, I think that should have been. When you say a, they big cast character. Gavin, o- Gavin O'Connor cast <laughs> Gavin O'Connor, there's no they, he did it himself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I he, mean, does, he, I he does. Would. He's like a banker, though. He does. I don't. I mean, it would have worked both ways. It certainly would have worked with a, a big, larger-than-life character in that role. But it also works like he seems like just a money man, like a playboy like, who yeah. wants to hang out with all these fighters yeah, and be and the centre of attention. His, yeah, super rich, and it's, buying yeah, his way into exactly. something. That's, so, that's what, honestly what I thought. I, I, like, I like that. Yeah, I guess it's a different character, I'm guessing, to the one he'd, ri- he'd written. Because, as I say, if you see this guy who was supposed to play and the guy that sadly passed away, it would have been a very different performance. And so we have a scene in Atlantic City where Brendan and Tommy, uh, the brothers, meet on the beach. Oh, my God. Uh, walk towards each other like like something out of a Western. <laughs> like a pair of old gold gunslingers, I, I, I wrote down, it's fucking heading awesome. towards each I think, other. I thought, the dialogue is incredible. Like when he says, when Tommy says to Brendan, and who are you exactly? <gasps> Oh, yeah. so and good. then he goes, I, yeah, it's, it's great. And I'm your brother. I didn't know you were in the core. Yeah. Like, oh my I, I God. Wasn't, I wasn't. There's a the lot of Tom Hardy doing this, which doesn't work for a podcast, but he's down here and he's looking, <laughs> looking up. up. <laughs> yeah. Who are you exactly? Yeah. But it's just brutal. Like to say that to your brother, been, that's the big brother, little brother thing. I was disappointed when it was clear that Brendan was the big brother because he was giving off these other vibes. But then everything then just like fell into place for me. Like, how brave it is and how tragic and sad it is to tell this story about the boy that got away had the shit life and the boy that stayed had the good life Mm. and then it made sense because the little brother left and probably thought his big brother was going to come with him and didn't and he couldn't manage without him and his mum died because of that like that's really really sad yeah I loved Mm. it yeah, no, Brendan was supposed to go. You, you, he was supposed to stick to the plan, but he didn't. And as Tommy says, you leave, you get to bury people. Mm. And they managed to walk towards <gasps> each other and away from each other on soft sand and not fall over or look clumsy. <laughs> he tried to stride <laughs> yeah. the way Tom Hardy strides on soft sand. What I'm hearing is do not have an argument with anyone on the beach nope. because you're like, fuck it, I'm yeah. going back to the room. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then you've got to do that clumpy thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you need this scene, obviously, as well. It's that thing we talked about in the Die Hard uh, podcast where Stephen D'Souza, it, Die Hard wasn't working and he realised it's because his hero and villain weren't meeting until the end of the film. And so you, it's very melodramatic and over the top, but I think it works. It works. And it's heavy stuff there, but it really works. We've already, we've already passed this um, point in the movie, but there's a really weird moment that I did not see coming that I liked where suddenly we're in Iraq. With oh my God, some yeah. I Marines. didn't like it. Really you, threw me. You didn't like it. No, because my brain, this is because we watch too many films, but I was like, I'm in a fight film, I'm in a fight film. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm in a thriller. Like I thought right. there was, he was on the run and someone was going to come for him. Yeah, and... I quite liked it. I no, was like, it I, I was me. such a curveball. I was like, I'm into this because I don't know where it's going. I mean, I immediately made the assumption he was a deserter. Yeah. That was my immediate reaction. Then we get the switcheroo where it's like, he's a hero. What are the chances? And then we switcheroo <laughs> back to, no, he's a deserter and a hero. I think the trouble is, for me, I think deserters, I don't think they're bad people. No. I'd be like, I'd fucking run yeah. a mile as well. So the anti-hero thing of like, oh, I get it for the soldiers where he's like, I ran out on my unit and I know that that's bad and that's your family. But to me, I was like, yeah, it makes perfect but, sense. But we'll, we'll, we'll tap into this when we get to the end. 
But I'm really confused. Like, the minute everyone knows he's a deserter, yeah. the military personnel in that room are still like, they Tommy! It. Yeah. It's like, what, you, your, your code of honour dictates that he broke that. Yeah. So it seems unlikely that you'd be like, yes, this guy. It's <laughs> yeah. like, I get it beforehand when you thought he was a hero. Fuck yeah. But yeah. now he's a deserter and you're still like, no, it's fine. We've, we've got over it. Yep, the logic's the wrong way around. So the film's building up the fights, and I think it does a good job of, of figuring out these crowd scenes that there are people in different locations watching the fights for us to cut to, because every sports movie needs that. Yeah. And I think the stuff with the kids I think and the headmaster are the best. No, it's rubbish. The kids, <laughs> the kids go to the principal, and they're like, principal, can we have the gym for a screening? And he goes, no. And the way that the kids all draw in together, and the music's like, dun, 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 and it's like, you are devastated because you can't borrow the telly for a screening and come on why do we hold that shot so long yeah, when as they, they walk, walk down, down the corridor, the corridor. I'm yeah. waiting for the principal to run after them and go I've thought about it and yeah. actually yeah you can it's a really weird moment it's, it doesn't the emotional heft it's not right for three, four kids being told they can't use the TV yeah, and there's no payoff to it either because they still don't get to use the TV so they hire out a drive through cinema yeah. or something yeah. and then the principal turns up and none of them go yo fucking dickhead piss off yeah, but you wouldn't allow us I the don't thing. think it's in the dialogue but the, the body language of those four kids is one of being like, well, at least we tried. And it's like, you just tried to get the telly. It's fine. It's not a big deal. You, there were other tellies. I thought it was bad. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, we're building and building towards Tommy's first fight. Uh, we get there. He walks in the ring. He punches the guy once, takes his mouth guard out and walks <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> great. Fucking great. Yeah, it's good. Oh, can I ask you a question? Uh, brutal. When we're, at, when we're at Sparta, why has a man got a goldfish in a bag? <laughs> <laughs> Is that, but I'm asking, I'm open hearted here. Is that he, a, bo- a, a MMA thing? No, that's because he's brought, because he's a professional broadcaster, not unlike myself. <laughs> like, if I had a joke, he's already thought about the uh, Brendan character. As a fish out of water. Yeah. Right, yeah. And so he's brought a visual aid. Wow. To back up that gag. I, I don't know yeah. enough about fighting. I was like, is this like a, a tradition? If you want, you don't watch a lot of ESPN. This is the kind of shit that is always on. Oh, I There's see. There's like a For show okay. Around the Horn, which I used to watch whenever I was in the States. And okay. it was exactly stuff like that. They were like, hey, man, this is your guy. Look, it's and a guy. A it's a fish in a bag. <laughs> All right, fine. Yeah, he's he's a comedian called Brian Callan. And he's essentially playing a comedian called Joe Rogan in these scenes right who, you know was an mma commentator and yeah he's calling him feeder fish uh he's he, being fed to these proper fighters and right. hence he's got he's Is got he the a one who says Tommy's so, a complete mystery he's google proof except someone's on the actual tv talking about him he's a complete mystery apart from we do know he was in the army and he saved someone's life is no, this true? No, they don't know this yet because he's using Reardon as the name. So that's a big story. The fact that they can't find they can't find his records. So they find out from that video that his co the guy he saves from the tank, the guy yeah. he ripped off the door. It's like, all right, Hulk. But <laughs> yeah. he basically says this guy was a hero, and so they know that, but they can't corroborate it with his actual military oh, history because he's see, using his mother's name. He's Google proof. Oh, okay, fine. So Brendan's entrance music is owed to George. Mm. What would your entrance music be? Um, when I'm cleaning windows by George no. Foreman. Good. I, mine would be shampoo trouble. Uh-oh. We're in trouble. That's an Not honest done. answer. Yeah. Um, What's yours? Yep. Yeah. I'm a tiger. Uh, uh, 
Whatever. Oh, glad all oh, over. I like it's good. Fucking glad all over. <laughs> yeah. Supersonic. Supersonic Oasis is what I would play <laughs> if I was. You're such a lad sometimes. And you're got... wearing a polo shirt. <laughs> yeah. You've got to have something that's going to make you feel like punching someone. Yeah. Like George Formby wouldn't do that for me. And no. Norwood shampoo. But like, <laughs> I don't know. You need something to sort of oh, pump you up somehow. I'll tell you, an actual good answer um, is uh, Sheriff Fat Man. By Cart USM. <laughs> yep, I'm done. Nice one. Good. All right. Brendan's first proper fight is uh, he's got a break free from a sleeper hold. He won't tap out. He doesn't tap out. Um, he makes it the second round. Uh, Kevin Dunn can't believe it. He trades blows <laughs> with the guy. He does a scissors takedown. He holds him and the opponent taps out and the, the crowd can't believe it. The commentators can't believe it. And Kevin Dunn's losing it. And I love it. I love it at this point. Yeah, I've literally um, wrote down cry for the first time. I had tears in my eyes. Weirdly, when Kevin Dunn runs in and shouts at his wife, he did. He did it. I was like, "Oh my god, this is getting good." No, that's it's getting bad. Good, it's getting good. <laughs> it's moving. Do you into think comedy. the first half yeah. is better than the second half? I like the fighting. I do like the fighting. I think the, the, it's comic relief for me that Kevin Dunn stuff. It doesn't have a place. It, oh, it feels no. It feels like a, it, it feels. It's the, like what Chris said. It's like the reactions of people watching a fight brings a, a, like it brings out the same emotions in you, and it like he feels completely like this huge release. And so I tapped into that because the we're both watching the point. same yeah. fight. It's just a bit silly. I think in a oh, film no, that's no, been no. so dark. No, this is where it gets good. Okay. Uh, he texts his wife, "I won." Um, and uh, she I'm knows like, what all I women mean, do. That, if someone texts me, <laughs> <laughs> if someone texts me, if someone texts me that Palace have scored, I do do a little cheer and a, a fist in the air I and celebrate. It's so a, it's such a I'm with her. I'm with Tess do. on that. No, it's just a rom com. I like rom coms. You, you just, know that. You but... don't do it because because what? Do you Go on. Ju- I just, <laughs> You don't have that in you. What do I not have in me? Joy? The, the, the ability to, if you got a, if you got a text saying yeah. from Mark going, we just won the lottery. Yeah. You're saying you wouldn't be like, yes. Like, it's, it's, you can't control it. It's a re- reflex reaction to some news that is so powerful that it just comes out of you. It's not like. All right, let me, ex- let me, it's not let like, me give you what I'm trying to say. Right. It's fine. It's fucking stupid, but it's fine, yeah. right? But in a minute, Tess turns up to the fight. She's just told her husband, if you go off, I'm not going to watch you. I'm not going to watch you die, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So then there's a big decision for her. She's like, do you know what? I am going to support you. I'm bang into this now. So where is the scene as an actor? She's like, I'm in this movie too. Why don't I have a scene where I tell the kids, actually, this is fine? Because that's a hard thing to do. You've just said, I don't want my girls growing up in a house like this. So now you sit with the girls and you're like, okay, this is why it's okay. This is why mummy is leaving you to go and watch daddy get the shit kicked out of him and that's a very very naughty scene isn't it you've robbed that actor of that scene for whatever reason probably a running time probably didn't occur to you and instead you've got a prancing around like a child you can have both i agree agree. that doesn't answer my point at all my point was i'm a joyless (laughs) nightmare Yeah. <laughs> I'm a cold bitch. Fine. <laughs> no, that you, Fine. Over, that you overthink that sometimes that maybe if you should have just react like in the moment, like felt the emotion instead of God, what does that mean though? Does that mean I have to talk to the kids about how our lives will change? Like, <laughs> I, I've been known to punch the air. I do squeal. I squeal on this podcast occasionally. I never over a text. <laughs> Not once. Never. I'm racking my brains. No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, we're done here, Chris. Back to you. 
So um, we see Cobra in action, and he's a battering ram, so that's terrifying. But we've got this sort of escalation of, I call them palate cleansers, where we can cut to these people. So Tess has gone from not watching to getting the text, to now she's watching it on the telly. Kevin Dunn is watching on his own. He's telling his wife. Now he's watching. his wife's watching with him. And so while the fights are building, the people watching are building. The, the kids are starting to get together to watch it. So that's all escalating at the same time. Tommy describes another guy. He seems like an animal. He's like this force of nature. He storms out of the ring again, which for me, you're, I, I'm starting to fear for Brendan the first time I watch this now, seeing what Tommy's doing to people and thinking of there's this possibility that he's going to do this to his own brother. Um, and then if that wasn't dramatic enough, we've then got the scene between uh, Paddy and Tommy in the casino. Oh, that's good. Um, really good. Yeah, it's really good. A lot of oh, the restraint. Like yeah, he throws begging. those dirty coins in his yeah. dad's face, and he, his dad basically all you're thinking is your dad didn't hit you. So that's mm. good. But that's that's so big. It's brilliant. Begging here with your little tin cup. Yeah. Oh, oh, and he's just always on the verge of tears. And you, that's why, like. Uh, Paddy's the most, but the best described character because he's got he's got so much else going on because he wants he is very very sorry but he's very aware of the fact there is nothing he can do beyond being present to make up for what he did. You can only you can just keep saying you're sorry, but it will never ever be enough. I know it's weird that it takes. It's almost like Tommy was like, "I'm going to drive him back to drink, and only then, yeah, then I'm going to, I'm going yeah, <laughs> to, well, I, I think so, yeah." yeah. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's. He's decided that's the most hurtful thing he can do to his dad is make him drunk again, and so that's what he's pushing for, which is brutal. But um, this is where we sort of it all comes together. This this sub story. So we learn that Tommy deserted his unit after his best friend was killed by friendly fire. He was on his way out when he saw some guys trapped in a tank and he ripped their door off to save them. And that's why he's going by the name Reardon. It's why they can't find his service record. He's sort of almost undercover or in hiding. And he's doing this for the money for his friend who was killed by the US Army. That's the sub story that's sort of bubbling away while while all this is happening. Um, and so, Vicky doesn't where like are we it. here? Do you like, do you like it though? We were talking about it. We covered a little bit of that earlier. But do you do you like this this sub story? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I see, I, <laughs> I did. I, I just. I don't. I don't. It, I, I have no, I had no problem with it the first time I watched it, and that's why sometimes I hate doing this job because when we're really properly analysing a film, a film that I love, and I'm just thinking, well, I'll do it in my change, but I, I'll, I'll tell you the issue I have with it when we get there because that is my change. But um, so yeah, he does drive his dad to drink again. He finds his dad um, listening to Moby Dick on tape, drunk, which has shades of my New Year's Eve with Alan Partridge. <laughs> I feared watching that. <laughs> Oh, but if Tom Hardy gave you a cuddle, it would all have been worth it. Six, Chris wandering around with a bottle of brand, is... brandy in his hand going, <laughs> Give me a second series! Aha! Aha! Weirdly close to the truth. But um, it, is, it is such a tender moment then when Tommy, Tommy comes to his aid. He's like, right, you've done, you've done what I wanted you to do. Second. We can be even now. And he, he holds him and he's, he's going to heal him. Second writing down of the word cry for me. <laughs> I was like, cry. Okay. <laughs> Can't make a note of when a movie makes me cry. Why? For the I, ledger. Yeah, just, you know, just how many cries it gets means how many ratings. How many it's, cries. It's, it's rating. <laughs> 
Um, another thing this film does well is that, you know, Rocky has to set up two fights per movie, pretty much. Here, there's a lot of fights to set up and manage. The next fight is the Mad Dog Grimes Oh, this Grunge is the best Max one! Because this Tommy so made good. Mad Dog Grimes, made him look stupid. And so we've got a proper story here. Yeah. And, and, and um, the soldiers sing for Tommy when he walks out because they don't know at this point he's deserted. Uh, Mad Dog Grimes has, has coloured his mohawk in camouflage to take the piss out of him. Oh, wow. And it's just... He says he's going to take Tommy out with one punch, and then Tommy clotheslines him, rains punches on him, and then poleaxes him. It's so and good. the commentator says, as he walks out the se- out the ring again, he's leaving a crime scene. Yeah, <laughs> just brilliant. So good. <laughs> the, the way the narrative you would normally go is it's a really tense fight and it's really close, and Tommy sustains an injury that then means he's not up to you know facing Brendan, and then he overcomes out. Whatever. The fact that it's the quickest fight is so brave and it's so brilliant. It's almost funny. Mm. Yeah, perfect. And so the escalation continues outside the ring. So uh, the school kids are watching the drive-in now, and Kevin Dunn comes to join them. Brendan's wife's gone from not watching to get the text to watching on the telly. Now she's flown in to watch it, and you sort of feel this this love between them. You can see she's supported but scared, um, and you—it's because he's fighting Cobra the Russian, <laughs> who looks like a brick. Yeah, yeah, and. He very much destroys Brendan in the first round and he destroys him some more in the second round and he's throwing him around like a rag doll. But Brendan survives the beating and that's what this character's all about, that he's going to take the hits. So this is where and, uh, this is where I started to think, oh, this movie's great, because this is where my understanding of what might happen was breaking down. Like I thought Cobra was going to beat Brendan. Me too. And then because Tommy... Because fucking massive. Yeah, because he, it looked like an impossible fight and yeah. the way it was set up, which we were meant to think. And then uh, Tommy was going to either drop out and let... Uh, Brendan was probably going to coach Tommy in a way that, listen, you can't do yeah. what you normally do. That one punch thing, yeah. it ain't going to work on Cobra. Let me teach you. And that was going to oh, be bring them together. how they yeah, were brought yeah, together yeah, yeah. to defeat this unstoppable Russian guy. Yes. He was like... The, he, to me, he was the end-of-level boss yeah. who they were going to have to work together to beat so i was so shocked when brendan won in this fight and that's why this fight has got cry written down next to it because again i honestly was like you know you can anticipate movies like this you're like i know what's gonna happen i know what's gonna happen here this i was like wait i was watching it for real like it was an actual fight that hadn't been scripted yeah i was like i don't know who's gonna win and they've made it believable because as gary jackson the choreographer says this is how the mma game works you get the big physical animals but you get the wiry guys like brendan who are clever and for this fight he said it's all about not letting the opponent impose their will on you that's how you fight mentally rather than physically and can change the fight in a split second and so um i mean obviously it helps frank's got a great line here his trainer so he says to him are we here to win this fight you don't win you're going home you don't knock him out. You don't have a home, which is a really great line for a trainer to give to his man. And then Edgerton comes out and puts everything into that last round. And he gets him in what's called an arm bar and Cobra taps out. And then he's done the impossible and pulled off a miracle. And they've made it believable when, when he walked in, you didn't think he stood a chance. Mm. Um, unfortunately, in the next bit, the military police come for Tommy because we know uh, they know now that he's a deserter. 
but then they let him fight. I feel like <laughs> if the military police can't yeah. arrive at a venue to arrest you, they don't let you go out and then fight a man, fight your brother. It's very generous. Let's say that. Like, are they? They're just going to wait for you to finish. Yeah, I mm. mean, I think because. My reading of it was that so much of Tommy's story is now out there on the internet and the commentator is like, Tommy has pledged his $5 million winnings mm. to his fallen comrade's widow. Yep. I was like, okay, well, you know, if you're going to stop a guy from maybe giving yes, they will do a that. military wife... Yeah, I know, but I mean, within the confines of the logic of the movie, you're like, okay, I buy that. The only way it works, which also is daft, is if the arresting officer goes into the locker room, he's like, get your stuff, you're arrested, and then he's like, I'll give you, you know... Oh, yeah, that would have been a good scene. Yeah, I'll give you 20 minutes kind of thing, get it mm. done. But here, this is well, where the film well, starts can, to fall But can we, keep it, can, we keep it just between, can we keep it just between us, though, Brendan? Because <laughs> yeah. if anyone else finds out I've just done this, I might lose my job, because my job is literally to arrest you. Yeah, that's so true. So, questions, <laughs> questions for everyone here. So, knowing what's happened at this point, mm. who have you got, who are you predicting is going to win at, in the final fight? Oh, that's a good question. Because I wrote down my prediction. Chris, did you have a prediction at this point who you thought was going to win? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure that the first time I watched it, which bear in mind was 11 years ago, but I, I, I believe that I wanted Brendan to win, but I believed that Tommy would win. That's how I thought uh, the fight would play out. Okay. I think the film gives away its hand too early with one line, which is what I just mentioned. When they say Tommy has given his entire five million winnings if he wins... Mm -hmm. To Manny's widow. Yep. The minute it says that is the minute I words. Well, Brendan's going to win then because you can't have Brendan walk away with nothing. And if Tommy's promised all five million, mm -hmm. not a fraction of that, not half of that, which would then leave some sort of space for yep. like, okay, he's going and you know that then he's going to give the other half to Brendan, and that'll be a surprise at the end. And this is where the film falls apart because it doesn't answer very valuable questions yep. in the end. But that's why I knew Brendan was going to win. Okay. Yeah, I thought either, I thought either way they would be splitting the money. I, I didn't think that all five million would end up going to the to, when he found out what his die straits his brother was in. I, I, I didn't think money was going to be an issue. I just thought I don't need to worry about the money thing now that it's two brothers fighting each other. Um, but the commentators find out that Tommy and Brendan are brothers, so this it's a huge story now. The world's watching, and this fight—it's so interesting behind the scenes. They storyboarded this fight, every single moment of it. They created live-action pre-visualization shots with the actors in advance, so every move, every beat, every line, every camera angle is choreographed, and you can pretty much watch it all on a video of them training for it in the ring with drawings and video and the real fighters and the actors doing it. And it's—it's it's just so impressive, and that's—I think that's why it's such an exciting fight, to be honest. Because round one, Tommy wins. Um, and then hits hits his brother after the horn blows, which I think is an awesome moment. <laughs> and then they're just in the break; they're just staring at each other. And Tommy Tommy doesn't even sit down in the first break. And that's sort of a um, the staring thing is, is something Mike Tyson used to do. So when Mike Tyson was walking to the ring, once he got near enough the ring to see his opponent in the ring already, he'd start staring at him, and he continued staring as he got into the ring, as he was jumping up and down, as he was taking his off and everything. And the other guy would normally stare at him, but Mike Tyson would never take his eyes off the guy. And he said every single time, eventually, they were the one that would look away first, and that's when I knew I'd won the fight, even before I'd ever punched him. And so I feel like there's elements of that there with these two guys just staring at each other and they're not Stop listening to the world around them. Men are so such a ridiculous thing. That's when I knew I'd won, apart from the few times that I didn't. But <laughs> like, it's an easy thing to say. 
Yeah, but he was. I mean, he he could have potentially gone through his whole life not having lost a fight, Mike Tyson. There yeah. were obviously other other things. Uh, his, what was his famous line that he said? People who fight me, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face by me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and it was true because. But but Tommy is a lot like Mike Tyson in that he's like an animal. He's like a force of nature. He 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 could be he could be a. Three feet tall than the person he's fighting, but you think this guy's just got something different that is not of this earth. Mm. Um, and so, but Frank, you know, Frank tells him like it is to Brendan. He says, he's not your brother. He's in your way. And so then they're into round two where Tommy rains more blows on him. Round three, it's more of the same. But while Tommy's rage is sort of uncontrolled here, Brendan manages to slip out from under him and gets on top of him. And that's when he pops out. Um, Tommy's shoulder. Jesus. Thoughts on, <laughs> thoughts on this? I thought it was awesome. Like, but it's this is when I realised who was going to win because it's anger versus love and like mm. which is more powerful. And Tommy's all by himself, and that that's the thing about being like a vulnerable little boy. Like, even though he's got his army buddies, he doesn't have the th- the emotional like ballast, the the thing to shore you up, which is like Brendan's got his wife, then he's got stability, and he's coming from a place of they both have pain, but he's coming from a place of love, and all Tommy's got is this anger, and then and to the point where he's like a mad dog, like he's got one arm, and he's like I'm still gonna do it. But then I was like, I did wonder, I still didn't fancy Brendan's chances, even though Tommy's now got one arm. Like, I, I thought maybe something was going to happen because he's just, wow. he's like a brick wall. Like he's Jeez, This is what I'm saying. You don't want to fight Vicky. You do not want to fight Vicky. She can be an arm down. She's, she's got an arm off. She's still coming for you. She isn't giving up like a mad dog. <laughs> like a mad dog. That's but kind. He, uh, so what else today? Joy, joyless back. mad dog. Nice. <laughs> Merry Christmas. We got... We, we've got 10 minutes left, Alex. What, you've got time for one more. Um, and, so, and so Brendan, um, uh, you know, Brendan is shouting him, what are you doing? Tommy, what are you doing? We don't have to do this, but it has to finish. Uh, Gavin O'Connor describes this fight as an intervention in a cage. And, and like what you say, uh, Vicky, he says, once we got to the end and the tap out, uh, it was like, that's the right ending for Tommy to be rewarded in the hands of his brother. Yes. Also, in the end, all this violence and masculinity, I really wanted it to be about love. Yeah. It's, a, it's a love story, a love of the family. That was really important to me, driving towards the idea of love. And so even, um, you know, Brendan, uh, what's happening here? Tommy... Brendan's hitting Tommy. The dad arrives, though he can barely watch seeing his sons do this. And round five, Brendan's nearly crying when he comes out. This is when I'm crying, Alex, when Brendan knows he's got to come out and keep hurting his brother. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't want to do it, but he knows it's what he has to do. And it's sort of this lifetime of hate and pain and regret coming out in this final round. And it ends with Brendan roundhouse kicking Tommy, he holds him on the ground, and he says, I'm sorry, Tommy. And he tells him he loves him, and then Tommy taps out. Oh, I get emotional just describing it. Yeah, yeah, but 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 they finally communicated in the only way they could. These two sort of animals that, that have been brought up as animals, and it's just it's very moving. And it and it's sort of it's supported by the fact that that song comes on about today by the National, mm. um, which they wrote. They him and his co-writer they just played that on repeat while they were writing the scene because they were confident they would get it for the for the film, and that's what Gavin O'Connor wanted. And it's sort of yeah, it's all this the same message that by that by losing Tommy Tommy's won because he's he's gained he's regained something, and and Brendan saved Tommy by beating the shit out of him and 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 killing him, and then he's reborn and he can sort of learn to live again. So he picks him up and he holds him again, and this time it's an embrace and he helps him out of the ring, and the dad smiles, Paddy smiles because he sort of 
he's pleased to see that his brothers have found his sons have found their way back to each other and, and he sort of knows they're going to be okay even if he probably isn't going to be a part of their lives mm. <sighs> all right so Oof. Oh, journey yeah big stuff yeah and that was a flop <laughs> <laughs> So that film, uh, <laughs> that film, that film didn't make its money back. Um, Alex, you know, you talked about the poster being an issue. Uh, I think Devin O'Connor said that he he thought they should have they should have released it slowly, started on a hundred screens and platformed it because the reviews were good and it was sort of built it rather than opening it on two thousand and screens without a star in it and then you know uh, after opening day sort of pulling it because it just wasn't going to make enough money and 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 they, they didn't and so. Yeah, it, it it didn't make its money back, but it's it it's had a life after that, definitely. Um, I mean, weirdly, like my dad has seen it, and I don't know how that came about. My missus, who doesn't Tom like Tom Hardy, came to live with him for it. a week, I think, and he brought it with him. <laughs> but 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 my uh, Georgina, who doesn't like films or boxing that much or fighting, she'd seen it and loves it. It's, uh, like five years ago, her dad somehow had seen it and liked it. So I feel like it's a film that sort of had a life since then. It's a film that people recommend or that gets passed around. And weirdly, there was a Bollywood remake of it in 2015 called Brothers that did make a lot of money. <laughs> so, so this film found an audio version. Uh, and because of that, a spin-off series is in the works. Uh, Gavin O'Connor is actually uh, making something at the moment. And the idea is that um, every season it'll have four new characters with the only DNA from the movie being that they fight at a tournament called Sparta and they're sort of trying to deal with the the social and political issues of these people from different countries and different backgrounds who come to fight at Sparta. I'd watch that. So there will be more Warrior. Great. Yeah, I, well, I think he knows what he's doing when he's telling these kind of stories. I hope Tom Hardy. I don't Hardy's know if you saw this. Just I like Tom Hardy. I hope Tommy comes back. Well, well, Alex, this was going to be my final point. Did you? I don't know if you saw a couple of months ago video. He's now uh, Tom Hardy now fights in real life MMA oh, yeah. fights, like yeah. local fights, uh, and you can see it on on YouTube and, and social media. Like, yeah, imagine showing up to one of these, you know. Uh, an MMA fight down the street and Tom Hardy's the bloke who shows up in front of you I to think fight he you. won the last one that he went to it was uh, I, I remember he seeing did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah, he did yeah just sort of go, but no one really knew it was him so it wasn't like there was a big crowd watching he just sort of showed up with a beard and, and, and beat the crap out of someone and then and then went and lived with him so. <laughs> <laughs> brought his DVD of Warrior around <laughs> another one <laughs> All right, uh, Vicky, favourite scene? The end. Um, I was surprised at my reaction because uh, I just, when Brendan tells Tommy that he loves him and that gives him the permission, just let all this fucking shit (laughs) go and it all melts away, all that rage. And then the button with their dads and I think he knows he's probably not going to see them again because they're done with him, but they're together and they're good people as well, really. And that'll do. That's That was... All it's all been worth it. His contribution, you know, it's gone somewhere to fixing the horrible situation that he created. And I wrote down cry at the end, oh, just the ones, just go. this bit. Oh yeah, I was oh, really you sobbing. Mad dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. 
Uh, Alex. You, uh, you, uh, it's the Brendan Cobra fight. Um, this was the moment that I realised this film had done a number on me and I genuinely wasn't sure who was going to win, what was going to happen. And after this, I had my predictions. I think I knew for the final fight, so it's not the final fight. It's, it's that fight. This was just so exhilarating to watch for me. And I'm a sucker for, you know... You're going to hate me. But Tess being there like, go on, baby, you can do it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Really? It's just, it's, it's, it's it's just necessary. Cardboard. It's necessary. Yeah, but it's just such a cardboard character. She's just nothing. She's not because she wants Brendan to win and she supports him. She's loyal and loving and cares and likes money. But, but, it's, also, but it's also, obviously, obviously it's not necessary in this film, but it's also just so true to life that in all these fights, we do cut to the wives and the girlfriends and the mums and the children in the crowd to see their reactions. It's a part of how... The it's children? Sort of an what fucking when you're children? Who's taking children to people, see... People, people. To see... People get got to get them into it early. I've I've watched <laughs> professional boxing matches where where there's like a six year old, seven year old son watching and crying, oh seeing my his dad God. getting are hit. You, are you joking? And I'm shouting at the telly. Can you take that? Can you please take that child to the dressing room? I can't remember. This was about five years ago, but that that seemed wrong. I'll yeah. say that one seemed wrong. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> what was your best scene, Chris? Yeah. Well, it's tough because uh, Vicky's right. I haven't written it down as my best scene, but Vicky is correct. It is that ending, so much so that I was nearly in tears just now trying to describe it, um, which is embarrassing. But um, it's not it, embarrassing, the scene Chris. I don't, remember be such ma- a, don't be such a bloke. Even though you love Oasis and you're wearing a polo shirt. Chris, it may- you're talking about Warrior, mate. Can it, yeah? <laughs> Fuck this, like, nearly crime <laughs> bullshit. We're talking warrior. Idiot. Jesus Christ. Sorry, But on. the scene I remember most, the, thing I, the scene I remember most from the first time I watched it and what I sort of, when I'm recommending it to people, I sort of mention this scene, is Tommy's first fight in the tournament, first fight in the tournament, where he knocks the guy out with one punch and takes out his mouth guard and doesn't even stick around to wait for the referee. There's just something so animalistic about that and so exciting and so thrilling um, that that's my favourite scene. Most valuable whatever, Alex. Uh, well, it's a good time to ask me that question. It follows on from yours. It's Tom Hardy, like, as Tommy. And there's one moment, like, like your scene that you just described, your best scene, Chris. Yeah totally get that but it's the moment that his own brother walks into the octagon Mm. and is facing him (laughs) and it's just the shot they picked and it's like the way he's moving and his head lowered he's like a fucking wolf or it's like a really muscular wolf the Mm. way he stares at him and we've seen him like knock these people out but there's something in the expression and that shot that I was it genuinely scared me I was like he's disappeared into this character and he's just a monster in that moment it's terrifying so Tom Hardy uh, mine is Nick Nolte, actually. Vicky? Yes, because Nick Nolte, this, everyone is very good, but it's just about the characterization. Uh, Brendan is damaged because of his dad and has gone to fight. Tommy is damaged because of his dad and he's gone to fight and then they heal. Whereas when you meet Paddy, so much stuff has happened to him before you meet the man in front of you that there's just there's just more of a, a bit of an interest there for me as a character. Like he could, you don't know how he's going to react to certain things. He could do anything. He could revert back to how he was. He could be on this mission to do good and all the rest of it. Like there's just, he basically, sorry, I'm rambling. The boys are the way they are because of him. So I'm more interested in him. Okay. That's Chris. it. 
mine was Tom Hardy as well, Alex. So I'll try and do something different just to be different. I'm going to say my most valuable ever. Tom Hardy, mate. It's fine. He's great in this. No, this is a good. This is no. This one's solid. Um, I'm going to go for the muscles on the muscles where Tom Hardy's neck should meet his shoulders. Oh my god, that's mad! (laughs) That's mad! It's like he's got two babies. They're like these big butt. Yeah, they're, they're like buttons, big buttons on him to, to make him do something. I, I, how do you? I don't know how you get them. I don't. I you imagine could, he's you pulling up a, your own weight a lot. Like I don't know. I was. I couldn't stop you could staring feed at them. A fa- you could feed a family of four for a month on them, whatever they are. Odd image. Um, <laughs> that is weird. Troubling. <laughs> Um, on a weird and, direction towards uh, the end of this episode, Chris. <laughs> Tears, I'm eating not very Tom well. Hardy's buttons. <laughs> Strange. I'm not very well. Yeah. I've run out of paracetamol. I'm, I've got a temperature. Um, what would you change, uh, Vicky? Um, Manny's widow, Pilar, lovely Pilar, who's like, hey, Tommy, we're okay. We're not really okay. The kids are fine, Tommy. They're not really. We really need money. Mm-hmm. Give us some of the fucking money. Like, Pilar is just left hanging. Like, I need to know what happens to her. Manny, we've gone to all the trouble of establishing Manny's family right. and his widow <laughs> and she's lovely and she's like it's so good to hear from you She what, so now she's just left th- with nothing? This is so interesting because I thought we were going to butt heads over this because your best scene was the end yeah. and my change is the end Whoa. but I mean the very end like I, I'm down with all the brothers walking away and remember we talked about this on Legally Blonde and it's like when yes. when uh, Elle leaves the courthouse it should fucking end yeah. you don't need the big speech at the end this you, you kind of do there are too many questions this <laughs> yeah. film leaves unanswered at the end so uh, let's go through them is Brendan like you just said going to give any of his winnings to Manny's widow because Tommy was donating the entire five yeah, million dollars yeah. to her unanswered by the film. Yeah, they're brothers. It's Tommy brothers. getting arrested. But that's fine, they're brothers. So... Why are the military audience members still cheering yes. Tommy even though he's Im- it's emerged he's a deserter? Unanswered. Uh, and poor fucking dad left there sort of like, well, the brothers have made up, but what is his relationship Hello. going forward <laughs> going to be? Like you say, he's a fascinating character. Unanswered. It just it ends. Like, I don't, I don't need a lot. I just need five minutes more, a little epilogue, just something that shows me that things worked out. Tommy coming out of prison, like, you know, Mm -hmm. X amount of time later and reconnecting and like Paddy and Brendan are there having like dinner. And it's like, and it's like, you did the the right thing for Manny's widow, who's called Pilau. Um, Pilau! Pilau. Like, I just think all of that, like, there's there's just room to just tie off all these loose ends and the film just leaves a question. And if you thought the same thing about what happened to Pilar, then, you know, I'm totally down with that. I think that's, I think, and also, just sorry, side note, it's fucking ridiculous. And I'm sure on an aesthetic level, they were trying to say something about how the brothers have come together and then swapped and been the same or something. You can't have... One of them fighting in one colour shorts and the other fighting in the other colour shorts for the entire movie and then swap them in the last fight. Because Tommy's always been in white shorts. Last fight is in black shorts. Brendan's been in black shorts. Last fight is in white shorts. And I couldn't tell who was who. I didn't even notice. A good spot. Didn't notice. I'm sure it's meant to mean something, but it was just fucking (laughs) confusing. It is funny that we had the same change about that. Yeah. I just think it's such an easy thing to do. I think if you hadn't spent time with her, which she's so lovely, you wouldn't give a fuck really, but mm. she seems quite nice. Yeah, she does. And that's why I just, I didn't get it because, you know. That's Brave why. to make it about friendly fire as well. I thought that was interesting. 
rather than enemy I you fighting. Didn't like the whole shot. I think it's I th- actually no shade on the director. I think it's I think it's weirdly directed for the movie we're in. I, I was like, oh, we're in Bowen. That's all I thought. And my brain was like, what the fuck is going oh, on? Because of the night vision. Yeah, yeah, the all of that. Yeah. And we just go to Iraq. Like, there's no transition. <laughs> we're just like, co- I was like, are we in Iraq? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great because my change was to remove entirely remove the desertion and the tank stuff. Because I just think it's totally extraneous watching it this time. I don't think it makes any difference to anyone's story, not even Tommy's. Aside from, it sort of takes me out of the story a little bit because, oh, can a man really pull a door off a tank? And, <laughs> um, so he can still, I think, it, I think he can still be doing this for his friend who yeah. can still have been killed by friendly fire. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. That gives him some, that, ge- that really strengthens his character. But I don't think you have to have all the other stuff. It's just a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. I just, if you're sat on turn what's as well, like what, what good thing could he have done? Because he's, like, he's deserting and he says, what was I supposed to do? Just leave them. Well, yeah, because you're deserting. But you great. what could he have done? Could he have ripped the door I mean, off it's, a tank? It's mental how many times that sentence gets said as yeah. well. It's like they really love this idea. Yeah. He ripped the door off a tank. Yeah. It's like, uh, then again, though, I guess at an MMA event, that is the kind of quote that the, uh, the, the, the guy who was in the tank uses that people would pick up on and keep saying. Yeah. So maybe it's realistic. Yeah. It's just a silly, silly sentence. Mm. It's so like, this Tommy so smash. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but by removing those two elements, you shave about 10, 15 minutes off the runtime oh, as well, man, which long. I think would improve the film. And so, yeah, I just, it just, as I say, I hated doing this this time because when I realised this actually adds nothing to it, I really don't want those scenes in the film anymore. So it's a big change for me this week. And that's your lot. All right, then. So it's time for... The verdict. Don't do that this week. That's such a big swing from you. It's my week. Why would you steal my thunder? I I don't even... I I I have little pep talks with myself every week about how to... Why'd you bite then? To get... I don't know. I'm like, I'm going to get in front of this. I am going to get in front of it. And I never do. I can't think of anything funny. That's what scuppered me. Because none of it is fucking funny, by the way. It's just irritating. (laughs) Difficult. It it interrupts the flow of a show. I'm guessing we've lost listeners over your inability to do this section. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. Do you mind? Yeah, you go. It's time for The Verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. See, how easy is that? Bellend. Bit of tension building. <laughs> <laughs> Bellend. Haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> That's up there. That's up there with, he ripped a tank door off. <laughs> Bellend. Uh, right then. Uh, I know. I think we're going to go with you first uh, today, Victoria. Sure. Okay. Right. Here we go. I think the fighting in the in Warrior, sorry, is easier for me as someone that doesn't really watch that sort of thing to get excited about. It's really clear where people might fail or not. And the fighter... I felt like Mickey, what I was watching, you said it in the last one, a bit going through the motions for me, a little bit. Um, but then the documentary stuff is really cool. Like it, you, you really feel like you're there kind of thing. The emotional beat at the end of the fighting warrior is much more powerful. The brothers united, the the fighter, I didn't, you know, the brothers are united, but it's like, okay, cool. It's not, I don't know. It just, warrior is just a much harder punch for the brothers. Um, and 
I just, you know, I couldn't feel how angry Mickey really was. And you do get the sense of this anger so much with Brendan and Tommy and something going on underneath. Mickey would have been a bit more intriguing. But the thing is, all the family, the sisters, the social realism, the way that David O. Russell does that small town thing, I just think it does make it the superior film. So it's the fighter. Okay, I'm going to jump in here. Um, It's no doubt a close one this week. Uh, Christian Bale is a phenomenon in The Fighter. I honestly, I know it's Tom Hardy and there's a little bit of Tom Hardy playing a character that you sort of go, "Eh, Tom Hardy does that well. I still think he's so fucking good in Warrior that he ain't far behind Christian Bale in The Fighter. Uh, The fights in Warrior, as you said, more engaging than in The Fighter. Uh, I'm going a bit around the house here because I can't quite explain it or possibly don't want to explain it outside of a therapist's office, but Warrior has such a massive emotional impact on me, whereas The Fighter, I just enjoy as a prestige piece of filmmaking and acting. Uh, So because I was intermittently pumping my fist and crying my eyes out while watching Warrior, and I genuinely, it's been one of the biggest emotional movies for me in a long time. Definitely 100% in the end, Warrior. Chris, down to you. Yeah, I don't know why you didn't pick me to go second, because as you well know, Warrior is one of my favourite films of all time. So this isn't really a fair fight. Uh, Warrior is my film this week, my pick. And Alex, it's for exactly the same reasons that you said. Exactly the same. The, the, The fight is a good film. It's a good film, but there's something about Warrior that just pushes my buttons emotionally. I just get so swept away in the story of these two brothers. Uh, And on top of that, I get swept away by the fights and those performances. And I don't know if, if you were asking me to pick my a great scene from the fighter, I could maybe come up with one or two. Whereas with Warrior, I think there's six or seven I could say, are truly great scenes. And so for that and a million other reasons, yeah, The Warrior is my pick and this week's winner. We have a winner and it is Warrior. Oh, Can you smell the testosterone in the studio, V? A little bit. A little bit. How did you describe watching Warrior as needing to grow a set of testicles? <laughs> is that what I said? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You said over the course of watching Warrior you'd grown some balls. I'd grown some balls. Literal yeah. balls, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right then. So Warrior is our winner. Don't forget... You can have your say. Tell us how right or wrong you think we got it when the listener poll goes up on our Twitter at ClashPod. Uh, this is a little bit awkward, Chris. Uh, I didn't get your message. I know you bowed out because of internet issues on Monday's episode. Um, yeah. So we didn't get your clue. Uh, Chris's clue was great. Much better than ours. It was, uh, it was winging it. Uh, unfortunately, the clue that you got left with... <laughs> Was uh, mine was on top of a Christmas tree, uh, which is a little bit partridge. You might like that, but then Vicky came in with, "Hello, Angel." Hello, Angel. Happy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> which is really good. And so on on the easy side, <laughs> sure. on the easy side. Uh, so what do you, uh, what do you mean? Ha- what's what's Hello, Angel? What sorry? What's what's Hello, Angel? Me. <laughs> Hello, Angel. Happy Christmas. Because there's angels in them. Is that a famous phrase? No, but neither is on top of a tree. <laughs> you put an angel on top of a tree, or it could be a star. <laughs> could be a star is born, that famous Christmas film. Anyway, we did you a disservice, Chris. So everyone, no, everyone you should have, you should have done, you should have done. Angel has fallen. That's that's what the other clue was going to be. Okay, so. Uh... 
yeah, just in case we didn't get it. The first film we're doing on Monday is It's a Wonderful Life from 1946. And the second film is The Bishop's Wife from 1947. And they're both on Amazon Prime and Amazon Freebie. Okay, there you have it. Two of the oldest films we've ever done on the show as far as I... The oldest. The oldest, yeah, okay. Well, that's how we're starting our Clash of the Titles Christmas Countdown. We're doing three, is it? Three Christmas clashes in the building to Christmas. Yeah. And this is our first. It is It's a Wonderful Life versus The Bishop's Wife. Have a lovely weekend. (laughs) Will all three of us be back in the studio (laughs) next week? See you later. Goodbye. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 